Hello guys, we are in the middle of June. It is June 15th and welcome to my podcast. This is my six, man, this is going by really fast. Well, this podcast is about studio musicians, also known as session players. If you remember my last podcast, I talked about two famous recording studios in the U.S. We're taking it a step further now and talking about studio musicians. If you remember my last podcast, I spoke about the engineers and the technicians and, you know, everybody that runs the studio behind the scenes. But let's talk about the studio musicians, or also known as session players. But before I begin doing this deep dive into this podcast, I just wanted to let you know, hey guys, if you're on Instagram like you to follow me i am on uh instagram at uh it's called a underscore podcast underscore about underscore nothing so join me on instagram no i'm not on facebook i don't do that but i am on instagram and i'm pretty active on there right now i am doing an album a day um posting about uh one album every day doing a little bit of background on a particular album so you know more useless information for you guys to check out and speaking of that you know i don't know if you guys were back in the day when you used to listen to casey Kasem, you know the weekly top 40 man i loved him he was great that's one of the guys that was you know my inspiration to start digging into music trivia you know the stories behind the artists behind the songs, behind the groups, Casey Kasem. Also Rick Dees, because I live in Southern California. Oh, I used to listen to Rick Dees, you know. I think he did um, American Top 40 or Weekly Top 40. Uh, That was amazing as well. So you know what, if you guys used to listen to Casey Kasem or Rick Dees, uh, this is the podcast uh, you should listen to. Um, Anyway, Today's podcast is about studio musicians, or what we call session players. And I'm going to talk about two of them today. Um, The Wrecking Crew, which was big in the 60s and 70s, and Toto. Say what? Toto? What? Yep. Toto. You know, the group Toto, T-O-T-O. That had all those huge hits in the 80s, and that first big hit in the 70s. Yep. That Toto. Um, so again, thank you for joining me on this podcast and Hey, let's do this. So my first, uh, want to talk about the wrecking crew. Um, they were a loose collective, uh, session musicians from LA and, you know, they were on a th- oh, thousands of studio recordings from the sixties and seventies. And they were involved in several hundred top 40 hits. Um, several hundred, I'm sorry, not several, several hundred. And they were publicly recognized in that era. Um, you know, I mean, they were not publicly recognized, excuse me. Um, you know, they are, the studio musicians are the unsung heroes, just like the people behind the, uh, the studio, the console, putting, uh, mixing the music together. They're the unsung heroes. And that's what studio musicians are. They they don't get recognized now, but they were recognized with respect uh, with their industry insiders. And 
you know, they, the Wrecking Crew, they are now considered the most successful, prolific session recording artist in the music industry. They were employed um, with Gold Star Studios in the 1960s, and as well as Capitol Records in LA, Columbia Records, and RCA Records as well. Part of the studio musicians, we had Don Randy, Al DeLore, the famous Carol Kay, who played bass, Bill Pittman, Tommy Tedesco, Roy Caton, John Migliori, Hal Blaine, drummer, famous drummer. He actually wrote an, um, a memoir, and I'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, Steve Douglas and Ray Pullman. Now, those were the main um, session players for the Wrecking Crew. There were also, um, you know, you had other people in there. You had violinists, um, you know, classical music artists that were part of this group of the Wrecking Crew. But that core that I just mentioned, they were used most frequently. And, you know, most of them had formal background in jazz and, like I said, classical music and were perfect. I mean, exceptional at sight reading. In other words, you know, they would walk into the studio, hand the sheet music, hand the sheet music to them, and they would look at it, and boom, there they go. They didn't need to study it. They didn't need it days before to take a look at it. They saw it on first sight, and boom, they were ready to go. That's how good they were. Um, as well as studio musicians, they also did TV jingles and theme songs and a lot of film scores. And, you know, they really had no formal name. But like I said, drummer Hal Blaine uh, popularized, popularized their name in his 1990 memoir. And he felt that the group embraced uh, popular rock and roll. The way the group embraced popular rock and roll was going to wreck the music industry. That's how he came up with the Wrecking Crew. Uh, now, Carol Kay, the bassist, who, you know, is world-renowned bassist. Everybody knows who she is. Now, she seems to differ on this story. She says they were actually called the Click. But, you know, uh, another unofficial name was the First Call. That's what they were called. And, you know, um, but basically... They are known as the Wrecking Crew. There are documentaries done on them, and these documentaries uh, call them the Wrecking Crew, and that's what we're going to go with. You know, and they played an important part in uh, Phil Spector, um, A Wall of Sound. Um, they played a very integral part in that um, state-of-the-art sound that Phil Spector created in the 60s. Some of the artists that they played behind were the Mamas and the Papas, Jan and Dean, Sonny and Cher, The Fifth Dimension, Frank Sinatra, The Birds, um, Bob Dylan's uh, song, Mr. Tambourine Man, The Monkees. Um, and they were a big part of that album by the Beach Boys called Pet Sounds. And if you've seen the movie, or if you haven't seen the movie, Love and Mercy, which is the story of Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. There's a lot of scenes shot in that movie in that same recording studio. 
and uh, that Pet Sounds was recorded in. And a lot of those scenes are involved with the Wrecking Crew. And so you get a really good understanding of how professional they are. And speaking of the Beach Boys Pet Sounds, um, one of the greatest albums ever, Paul McCartney says it's the greatest sound song uh, album ever. And he says that God Only Knows, which is on that album, is probably the greatest song ever written. Now, at one time, uh, Leon Russell, um, who had a huge hit called Lady Blue in the 70s, was part of the Wrecking Crew, as well as Glenn Campbell. Glenn Campbell, who passed away a few years ago of Alzheimer's, he had a lot of big solo hits, but he was also part of the Wrecking Crew. Um, Steve Douglas, Larry Ketchnall, and Tommy Tedesco became members of the group Bread. They were part of the Wrecking Crew before then. And in 2007, they were inducted into the Musicians Hall of Fame. The Wrecking Crew was. And in 2008, they were subject of a documentary called The Wrecking Crew. So there's a little bit of short history on The Wrecking Crew. Um, the one I really want to talk about is Toto, the group Toto. Yeah, you're going to say Toto, right? I They had all those hits in the 80s. Well, yeah, before they were part of Toto, they were actually studio musicians. They were actually session players. Yep, that's right, Toto. You know the group. They had those small hits like Africa, Pamela, Rosanna, I Won't Hold You Back, 99, Georgie Porgy, I'll Be Over You, and, you know, their first hit, Hold the Line. Yep, that's Toto. And, you know, they had many more hits than the ones that I just mentioned, but those were the big hits. Those are the big hits that made the charts. You want to know a little secret, guys? Well, here's a little bit of trivia <clears throat> I'll let you in on. You know that small album that came out in the early 80s called Thriller? Well, basically, that's a total album with Michael Jackson doing leads. <laughs> Can you believe that? Can you believe that? That, that Thriller album... That was at one time the biggest selling album ever. Basically a Toto album with Michael Jackson doing leads. So here we go. Let me introduce you to Toto. Toto is the Pecoro family. And they basically started in 1977 with Jeff on drums, Steve on keyboards, and Michael on bass. And Michael joined the group in 1982 actually. Now, Jeff passed away in 92 of a heart attack um, at the age of 38, but there are still some discrepancies about his passing. Um, Mike Pecoro actually developed um, ALS, uh, which is Lou Gehrig's disease, in 2007 and passed away. And, you know, it's so, you know, life is so cruel to take away those two musicians because they were really good at what they did. Um, 
how did Toto get their name? Here's a little music trivia. It's actually Latin for all-encompassing because they played on so many albums with all different kinds of genres of music when they're session players. They figured, hey, we could play it all. We're all-encompassing. We're going to be called Toto. Now, they were making big money as session players in their early years. They were doing really well. But then they wanted to get into the music business and and start recording their own music. And that's how we got the current lineup of Toto, which is David Page. And he does piano, keyboards, um, lead vocals. Steve Lukather, um, lead guitar. Steve Picaro, um, he's on keyboards as well. Jeff Williams. Now, Jeff Williams, if the name sounds familiar familiar to you, well, it should. His dad is the famous John Williams. And he did the scores from the movie Jaws, Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Harry Potter, E.T., Schindler's List. So, yeah, Jeff Williams is the son of John Williams. Top three Toto songs um, for record sales, um, which their first hit, Hold the Line, Rosanna, and Africa. Now, here's a little more trivia. I usually, like I said, I usually save the trivia till the very end, but I wanted to throw this in right now. The song Rosanna. Now, Steve Picoro was dating Rosanna Arquette, and they broke up. But he was dating her for a long time. Well, during this time, David Page had wrote a song and about three girls that he knew. And he couldn't come up with a name. But Steve Picaro's girlfriend, or former girlfriend, Roseanne, Rosanna Arquette, fit the song perfectly. So they decided to go with the name Rosanna. Now, if you've watched the video, you'll see Cynthia Rhodes, um, who is actually married to, was married to Richard Marks, which is another famous 80s musician. Um, they were married for 25 years. She's actually the star of that video. She plays Rosanna. And if you watch the video very carefully, if you look at the left side of the screen, in this one part where these, um, I want to call street hoodlums are climbing the fence. Take a close look, pause the video, and look at the guy in the red jacket. The guy in the red jacket is actually Patrick Swayze. Yep, he's in that video. And so there's a little background on Rosanna. Hold the Line, like I said, was her first hit. Now, their song Africa was not easily accepted by the group because it didn't fit their style. You know, and a lot of the members were against it. Uh, but it's funny because it's probably their biggest hit. You know, I mean, it's still really popular today. I mean, you find it in pop, pop culture, TV shows. <clears throat> and then a couple of years ago, it was reborn again on Weezer's cover album where they did Africa. And actually, they do a really good job. And there's a video out on YouTube uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live, you got to check this out. It's kind of nostalgic because 
It's Jimmy Kimmel Live. It's a concert on the back lot, and it's featuring Weezer. They open up with Africa, and right towards the last three quarters of the song, they bring out um, Steve Picaro, who does the little keyboard rift. Um, he just comes out for like 10 seconds, and then he goes back. You know, one of the original founding members of Africa. It is really cool. So you got to check that out on YouTube. But hey, let's go back to Toto as studio musicians, okay? Like I said in the beginning, um, so they were now David Page, Steve Lukather, Jeff Picaro, and David Huntgate. Now back in the 70s when LA was producing many records, these guys were a huge part of the industry before and even after Toto was formed. As a matter of fact, they formed Toto after running into each other during all these recording sessions. So they were basically separate musicians doing their own things for so many different artists. And they decided, hey, let's get together and form a band. Now, they also knew, several of them knew each other um, when they went to high school in Van Nuys. So there was, you know, um, a common interest between all of them. There was a common connection. Um, they were heavily involved with Boss Gag's um, great album, Silk Degrees. Um, and they played on some of the songs on the album, like Georgia, Low Down, It's Over, We're All Alone, What Can I Say, Lido Shuffle. And if you listen to Lido Shuffle carefully, uh, oh, you can hear Jeff on drums, David Page on keyboards, uh, and they are really, they really stand out. And you can think, oh my God, you know, that's like, that's like Toto. You, you can hear it. Uh, now, like I said in my opening about Thriller, um, they're basically, that is a Toto album with Michael Jackson doing leads. Now, the one song, you know, Eddie Van Halen, um, it's Beat It, you know, Eddie Van Halen's on there doing guitar, but basically a Toto album with Michael Jackson doing leads. And when you listen to that album, listen to the drum tracks, uh, you can hear it's Jeff Picaro. You know, um, another contribution to the, is, uh, to the album is the song, The Girl Is Mine. Um, they had a big part in how that song was um, produced, you know? It was written by Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson, but all the instruments, the way it was designed, it was designed by Toto. Um, and now talk about being at the right place at the right time. So here is the story behind the song Human Nature. Now Steve Picaro, the keyboardist, was picking up his uh, daughter at school one day and daughter was very young and she got in the car she was very upset and he asked her what's going on what what's wrong why are you upset says well i've been bullied today daddy and you know it's not fair why do why do people bully each other you know why are people mean to each other why are people mean to me and you know what steve said he didn't know what to say, and he said, well, sweetie, it's just human nature. So with that thought, he took that idea, 
And he went into the studio and started working the song out on his keyboards. Just the song, not the lyrics, only the song. And he put it, recorded on the on the B side of a cassette tape. Now, a little while later, David Page or Quincy Jones, which helped produce the Thriller album, uh, called David Page because David Page was working on all the music for the Thriller album and said, "Hey, Dave." I need to get the music for the Thriller album. I'm going to send a courier over to pick it up. Can you put it on tape and send it to me? So what happened was, he, David was not there in the studio. He called Steve, who was in the studio. And Steve said, okay, I'll put it on a tape. I'll have it ready for the courier. He couldn't find a cassette tape. The only blank cassette tape he could find was the one where he recorded Human Nature on the B side. So he recorded all that music on the A side, gave it to the courier. The courier took it back to um, Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones was listening to the A side and got distracted and let the music play. And if you're familiar with cassette tapes and cassette tape players, back in the day, once they played the A side, it would flip over and play the B side. Well, like I said, Quincy Jones got distracted. The cassette tape finished the A side, started playing the B side, and he heard Human Nature. And that was the beginning of that song being on the Thriller album. Talk about all the stars lining up, being at the right place at the right time, Quincy Jones being distracted, and hearing Human Nature. If you go to a Toto concert, that's that's in their set list. Human Nature. That is a Toto song, believe it or not. You know, a lot of people ask me, hey, hey, Michael, what is your favorite Toto song? I really don't have a favorite song. I mean, I have three, actually, and they're, and not in any particular order. I love 99. I love Pamela. I love Georgie Porgy. They've got a real cool jazz flavor to it. But, you know, there's also a song that they do in concert that I love called I'll Be Over You. And the way they do that song, it is really good. Actually, I think in concert, it's better than what was recorded on the album. So anyway, there you go. There's a little taste of Toto and the Wrecking Crew. Um, Now let's take a look at what happened on this day in music history. The date is June 15th. And back in 68, the radio DJs received a 45. And that's how, believe it or not, um, music artists got their music out. Demo 45s were sent to all of the radio stations. And this one was from an unknown group called Credence Clearwater Revival. And the song was Susie Q. And it became a hit. And so did Credence. In 1985, Tears for Fears, let's get a little bit more current. They ruled the chart with Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Yep, great song. Matter of fact, um, I have a friend of mine who has seen them in concert and just loves them. And, you know, one day I would love to see Tears for Fears. In 1989, Nirvana released their first album, Bleach. In 1991, Boys to Men appeared 
for the first time on the charts with that new Jack Swing sound on the song Motown Philly. In 2005, Coldplay topped the charts with their album X and Y. And then sadly in 2014, Casey Kasem passed away at the age of 82. And like I said, you know, I used to listen to Casey Kasem all the time. I enjoyed his long distance dedications. I enjoyed him reading letters that were written in. Yeah, letters, you know, letters on handwritten on a piece of paper with a pen or a pencil put in the mail, not these email or text messages that we all do now. Yep, that's the way it was back in the old days. So, yeah, he passed away and uh, man, he was amazing. Uh, I enjoyed his music trivia as well. And speaking of music trivia, here's some little interesting trivia. The Groove at the beginning of Footloose uh, by Kenny Loggins was actually inspired, inspired by David Bowie's Beginning of Modern Love. If you listen to those two grooves pretty carefully, they're almost identical. They've got a similar pocket as Kenny Loggins described it. I'm going to throw in a bonus trivia. Even though this podcast was full of useless trivia about Total, let me throw in one more trivia to end my podcast. Now, you know, back in the day when MTV actually played music videos, you guys remember that? Back in the day, long time ago. As a matter of fact, the first video ever played on MTV was uh, Video Killed the Radio Star by The Buggles. Anyway... The station, MTV, banned Queen's big hit, I Want to Break Free, for the reason that the video featured men in drag. Now, if MTV played music videos today, which they don't, but if they do, do you think, by today's standards, that song by Queen would be played? Do you? I do. Uh, Times have really changed, you know? Anyways, thank you guys for uh, so much for joining me and supporting my podcast of uh, thought-provoking, useless information. It is a podcast about nothing. You know, a couple of my listeners said, you keep on saying a podcast about nothing. Are you a Seinfeld fan? Because that was a show about nothing. Yep, I'm a Seinfeld fan. Seinfeld, yeah, you either love it or you hate it. It's nothing else other than that. My next podcast airs on July 1st, and I am super stoked about this next one. Um, Now, if you remember my first podcast, I spoke about songs that made the soundtrack of movies. But what about the movies that made the songs? Now, my good friend and one of my listeners, JP247, suggested this topic and I can't wait to do a deep dive on that very subject thanks guys thank you so much again for joining me and remember let's keep the music alive